Sports Talk Radio for the Brainerd Lakes. 1380 KLIZ AM. Brainerd Baxter, the fan. It's time for Lakes, Woods, and Irons at 1380 KLIZ, the fan. Featuring Colin McDonald and Chris Foley. Today's broadcast is sponsored by Craigan's Legacy Courses, Tito's Handmade Vodka, Rutgers Bay Lake Lodge, The Tea Hive, The Holiday Station on Mill Avenue, and Maury's Market. Streaming at lakeswoodsandirons.com, sponsored by Mills GM. And now, here's Chris Foley and Colin McDonald for Lakeswoods and Irons at 1380 KLIZ, The Fan. Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley, Colin McDonald with you, 1380 KLIZ, The Fan, streaming at KLIZ.com. Thanks to our sponsor, Mills GM, the home of affordable luxury, the 2019 Buicks. Also now on Podcast One, you can find us to really wherever podcasts are. So look for Lakes, Woods, and Irons there. Chris Foley with me, of course, and... Uh, Big week. Uh, we'll get to Beth Page Black in just a moment as uh, the PGA is coming up, the second major of the year with the schedule shift. But a couple of uh, players win last week, really a favorite of a lot of people. Steve Stricker uh, wins on the uh, a major on the senior tour, and uh, Stricker's just one of the likable guys who could probably still win on the regular PGA tour, Chris. Yeah, for sure. He's um, you know like a lot of the... Young champions tour players, the 50, 51, 52 years old, he can still, he can still compete on the regular tour like he did last year, but, uh, uh, hard to believe about that Stricker's first major championship. Yeah, that is hard to believe. I remember years ago a player saying you've, uh, you gotta just make hay from 50 to 55. Because you really have an advantage over a lot of the players out there that are over over fifty five yeah, years old. The uh, I was actually t- talking to a uh, friend of mine yesterday who was a mutual friend of Jerry Smith, who we had on the show last year after he won on the Champions Tour. And Jerry's he's been out there for five years, and so he's either fifty five or fifty six, and uh, struggling a little bit this year. But it's uh, uh, you know you got all these young players like Steve Stricker coming out and players that uh a guy like jerry struggled to beat when he was when he was younger and so the life expectancy unless you're a uh bernhardt longer is pretty short-lived on that on uh, that champions tour four five six years and you got a new yeah every year you have young players coming out uh i guess if you can call it 50 young that uh are that are in better shape, their games are better, they're hitting it farther, and so it's hard to stay out there a long time. There's not a lot of longevity. Yeah, and then the, every year there's uh, a lot of Stricker this year, and a lot of last year, I guess, and uh, I think Phil's 48 or 49 mm-hmm. now, so he's going to be knocking on the door probably. And on the uh, men's tour on the PGA side, Sung Kang got the win at the Byron Nelson. Boy, I don't know if it was uh, set up. Uh, those guys ate that course alive. There wasn't. Uh, there must have been a dozen guys under fifteen under. Yeah, over it, the four days. You know, you, you combine um, a wide golf course with uh, that's that's very wet. They had a ton of rain there, and not a lot of wind, and that that produces really low scores. But uh, so there there were some low scores there. Twenty three under for Kang. Twenty one under by a couple players. Matt Avery and Scott Piercy. Twenty under by Kepka. Kepka right in there again. So yeah, yeah. And Kang he really held his own. He he stumbled a bit maybe early in the day, and dropped back to second or maybe third, but I think second. And then uh, really got his game going again and made more birdies down the stretch. So a uh, nice performance. 
And, of course, this week, Chris, another major, uh, Beth Page Black, has hosted a couple of U.S. Opens, uh, the Barclays a couple of times in 2012 and 2016 for the playoffs. So it's a legendary golf course in the U.S., isn't it? Yeah, it's, it is a great, great test of golf and um, just a classic layout and uh, has a great history of championship golf. And, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting that, you know, normally the, the PGA championships played in hot, humid conditions and, uh, it's been, you know, fifties and sixties and damp all week in, in New York. So the golf course will play a little differently than it, than it has in the past, but, uh, it's going to be a great week. I think we mentioned last week that the yacht was spotted there, and uh, Tiger had already been on the grounds at Bethpage. And he's uh, again, he won in 2002, I believe. 2009 winner Lucas Glover. Lucas won in Glover, yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, that's the year the New York crowd was uh, acting like a Ryder Cup crowd whenever Phil was on the golf course. Yeah. So he'll be looking for that again this year, I suppose. Yes, he will, and he feeds off that. He loves that, so it it could be a good week for for Phil and. Tiger, you know, we're, we're taping early in the week here, but Tiger looks very fresh and very excited to play, and uh, it's a fantastic, there, there's a lot of players going into the tournament that are playing very well. You know, Brooks Kepka uh, had a great week last week. Dustin Johnson, uh, you know, played very well at the Masters, played really well at Hilton Head until the last round, and he's he's rested and ready to go, and um should be just another another great championship. I, I think the position of the PJ Championship in May here is 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 going to be very exciting and a uh, great place on the calendar for it. Yeah, I think they've done a lot of good things the PGA Tour, and uh, it's just shaping up awfully nice. You got the legendary player in Tiger Woods, of course, and uh, the game's best all playing pretty well. Rory's had a good year, and uh, like you say, Kepka and Johnson, it could. Uh, of course, it's always always gets built up to could be, but uh, a little bit of a loss. Uh, Justin Thomas hurts his wrist this week. He withdrew, and uh, he hasn't played since the Masters. So those wrist injuries in golf, you just hate to see them because it's it's knocked guys down for it's affected careers. Those wrist injuries in golf. So hopefully Thomas is going to be all right, but he won't play this week. And of course, Spieth is uh, struggling with mostly his putting game and trying to find that before he can get back uh, in the winner's circle, I think. Yeah, you know, Spieth had a great week last week. Yeah. Um, you know, again, struggled in, in the fourth round, but... Uh, Home turf. Uh, yes. Uh, but I look for him to have a good week. You know, uh, speaking of Rory, uh, Rory's played in nine. He's made nine starts this year, and with the exception of Augusta, he's finished in the top ten every one. So he, he's he's very a little bit under the radar is having a fantastic year. Uh, it'll also be the first start for Francisco Maliari since the Masters. Yeah, so. he's not bad. No, <laughs> <laughs> a couple great guests coming up. We've got. Uh, uh, we'll take a look at the rules, which is, uh, I think, good. There was some rule changes, and this is very early in the Minnesota golf season. So we'll get the guest on with the rules. And then, uh, and also Brian Skavnik, the happiest golf professional in Minnesota and author of Happy Golf, starts here. You're listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons on 1380 KLIZ. You're listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley and Colin McDonald at 1380 KLIZ. The Fan. Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons on 1380 KLIZ. Colin McDonald with you, Chris Foley as well, of course. 
1380 KLIZ, the fan, and streaming at KLIZ.com. Thanks to our sponsor, Mills GM. Special guest with us, uh, Chris. I'll let you handle the introduction. You're a pretty happy guy, but you're not as happy as this guy. That's true. (laughs) Yeah, I want to welcome to the show Brian Skavnik. Brian is the the teaching pro at Parker's Lake in Plymouth, Minnesota, and uh, uh, Brian is the world's happiest golfer. Welcome to the show, Brian. Hey, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. You know, Brian, one one of the things that I uh, I've always wanted to put on the first tee of the facilities that I work at is that uh, a sign that says "Please depart eighteen happier and in a better mood than you started today." Hey, I like that. That's good. <laughs> but uh, you know, t- tell us tell us about your background, and I, I always love your approach to the game, and we'll get more into that. I was uh, I'm a St. John's grad, and basically, I, I I started teaching when I was in college. And just kind of as a summer job, did a lot of park and rec stuff. Uh, and when I graduated, I, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, so I, I figured I'm going to try to take the playing test, turn pro, and I passed it. I'm like, okay, I guess I'm a pro now. <laughs> and then, uh, I just kind of gave myself a few years to say, hey, okay, let's see if I can build this thing out. Um, I taught kids primarily right away, and I still do. I've been 80% of my, my, my students are, are kids. And so I just... I kind of kept it going, and I got lucky enough that it turned into something, and parents liked it, and kids liked it, and kind of got to the point where I was, I was like, you know what, I just kind of want to make this a fun thing for kids to do, because there's so many other things going on in their lives, and I just kind of have like a good outlet and a good fun thing to do, whether they, you know, they play well or they don't play well, I don't really care, and maybe they don't care either, let's find out, so uh, I just kind of kept it going. I actually had a point where I, I asked the parents that I taught, I'm like, you know, why do you sign up for golf lessons? What's why do you do it with with me here? And learning golf was about the tenth thing on the list. I'm like, well, what else do you want to learn? So they're just talking about you know the camaraderie, the the sportsmanship, the hanging out with their friends, the something to do in the summer, and it just kind of it kind of blew my mind. So I changed my approach, and that's, that's all we do now. We just have fun. Yeah, I think you know so many uh, you know for me teaching full time, and I'm, I'm into. The performance of it, and and you know, getting people to in the next level. And sometimes we lose lose sight of it's just we, the game of golf is to have fun. Yeah, I totally agree. But we need people that can teach good, good golf too, because sometimes golf is more fun and do a little better. Yep. Um, I just I go the other way, and if you know what happens if you don't do well, can you still have fun? And that's what I try to teach the kids. Absolutely. So, tell tell us about that. You know, you've you've got a uh, on your website. You've got the the happy golf planner. Tell us about that. Yeah. So basically, it's just the biggest thing I found out is you know there's there's reasons why people play golf, and every person has a different reason. So I just straight up ask them, you know, why are you playing golf today? And some kids will be like, well, my mom is making me take this lesson. I'm like, okay. So this kind of have to take a different approach at that. And some people are like, well, my my friends play, and I want to hang out with my friends more, so I kind of want to learn it too. I'm like, perfect. So you just got to figure out that reason. And different people have different reasons at different times too. Because when we're playing in a work scramble, that's totally different than if we're playing with our husband or wife. It's totally different than if we're just hanging out with buddies on the weekend. It's just every every time you play, it's a different reason. So once you develop that, kind of figure out what your reason is, it's so much easier to have fun during this thing. And when we have more fun, usually we play better. Exactly right, yeah. Because, I mean, you've seen enough students that, you know, you get tense and you, you rush things and you overthink things, and usually not a, good, a lot of good things happen that way. That way. I noticed just a quote from your book, Brian, that's just great and I think probably uh, puts things into a nutshell for 
how you feel about kids, and I th- certainly how I feel about kids, and Chris, too. Some kids are smarter than you. Some kids have cooler clothes than you. Some kids are better at sports than you. It doesn't matter. You have, you have your thing, too. Be the kid who can get along. Be the kid who's generous. Be the kid who's happy for other people. Be the kid who does the right thing. Be the nice kid. That's a golfer right there. A lot of time, a lot of nice people in the world of golf. I totally agree with you, and that's why I try to encourage people that you know the, the being the nice kid thing kind of came from. I have it's actually a whole other program I have now when I go into schools in the winter talking about being the nice kid. But I just I tell all these kids that you know come to golf and you're going to meet a lot of good people. You're going to meet people that you know come from different backgrounds. You're going to meet people that are good at golf or are bad at golf. But you know we're all kind of in this thing together, and you all can be nice to each other at the same time. Yeah, I think I, I always think that's one of the coolest things about the game is it bridges a lot of people together. And when I, you know, when I was a kid growing up playing at this public golf course, I played with, I played with a group of priests. I played with some old guys. I played with some new guys, you know, some young kids. And I met so many people along the way and from so many different backgrounds and, and, you know, economic levels. And, um, that's one of the great things about the game. And Brian, tell, tell us more about that program you do in schools. It's, it's not necessarily golf related, but it's, it's life related. And we talk, we talk about golf all the time being a, a mirror of life. Right. It's, it's kind of a bridge where it's, I started teaching these things in my, in my golf classes, and some of the, the parents of the students would say, hey, can you come into our school and you know, teach the same thing you're teaching, just don't teach about golf. I'm like, okay, what do you want me to teach about that? So it, it kind of turned into, you know, they said, well, teach, you know, teach about sportsmanship and about character building and, and generosity and empathy and bring that to the schools. And I know you tell the kids a lot of stories, so can you tell those same stories in, in an assembly format? I'm like, sure. So I kind of started doing that, and it just snowballed. And in the off season now, or the golf off season at least, um, school year, I am I'm booked every week somewhere. I go to Boston, I go to California, I go to Texas, I go a bunch of places in Minnesota, just talking to schools, talking to organizations about being a nice kid. What can you do? Kind of relates back to golf. You know, if you're not having a good day, what can you do to kind of change that around? What can you do to change your attitude? What can you do to help other people? Uh, it's such a transition from what i learned in golf because probably the same thing you learned too chris that you know you grow up and there's some days you play great and some days you play terrible and sometimes things don't go your way but there's there's ways to get through that and there's things you can learn from the game of golf that now i'm trying to teach the kids in schools yeah that's great and and you've got a book by the same title too the happiest golfer yep exactly some of the just uh, i was just looking at the website too uh, brian uh, get the planner now. Learn six steps to happy family golf in a free training class, and then uh, um, what was the second one? They were just a, just a great idea, though. Just kind of it's a keep it simple kind of attitude, isn't it? You're exactly right. Yeah, you just kind of you know to get family involved, it doesn't have to be overcomplicated. You know, you just kind of the easiest thing to do. And my kids, my dad did it to me too. You just come out and you. Hang around, you drive in the cart a little bit, maybe you want to putt a little bit on the hole, maybe you don't, and then go get some ice cream after. Just, kids will remember when they're when they're fed, <laughs> when they have some candy afterwards, like, hey, that thing we did together, that's kind of fun. Plus, it's a way where you can hang out with your family more, which I don't think that's ever a bad thing. Exactly. <laughs> right, exactly. If you want to hook a kid on golf, let them drive the golf cart. Exactly right. <laughs> yep. Yeah, there you go. Well, Brian, how do how do people learn more about you and your programs and your book and uh, your speaking? 
my my golf stuff's all on the uh, the happiestgolfer.com. Uh, all my be the nice kid uh, school programs are on be the nice kid.com. Um, yeah, I'm on Instagram, I'm on Facebook, I'm on wherever you can find me that way. If you Google be the nice kid, there's about a zillion results now, so you'll find me one way or another. <laughs> so you can be the nice teacher, Brian, because in uh, 2011 you were named a top 50 Masters Kids teacher in the world, so that's a high honor and uh, yeah. treating our kids right. People like that. Doing my best. <laughs> well, Brian, we, I appreciate what you do and the message you send, and I appreciate you coming on the show. Hey, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. That's Brian Skavnik of... Uh, not only Brian Skavnick, Golf Academy, also author of Happy Golf Starts Here. Pleasure to listen to him, and uh, he'd be a guy you might want to get into uh, your own school. Pretty impressive. You're listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons on 1380 KLIZ. You're listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons at 1380 KLIZ, The Fan. Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley, Colin McDonald with you, 1380 KLIZ, and streaming at lakeswoodsandirons.com. Thanks to our sponsor, Mills GM. Chris, a uh, special guest with us today. I'll let you handle the introductions. Yeah, I want to welcome Vincent Backteller, who is the Director of Competitions for the Minnesota Section PGA. And uh, Vincent's a rules expert, uh, recently scoring 99 out of 100 on the, the Rules of Golf quiz, which is is really impressive. So welcome to the show, Vincent. Yeah, Chris, thanks for having me. Absolutely. I wanted to, wanted to have you on here early in the year. You know, we the, if you've been paying attention to golf at all on the PGA Tour, uh, you know that there have been some, some major revisions to the rules of golf. And the rules of golf have really, yeah, there's been a lot of press, both good and bad, throughout the year. And I wanted to have you on and talk about that and talk about some of the changes that uh, – that just the the average player can can uh, needs to know. Yeah, well, that's that's awesome. I know, you know, me as a rules geek, I, I love that the rules are now in the media. I absolutely love love it. Um, yeah, so the rules. I mean, they went through you know the major change, you know, biggest change they've ever had to the rules of golf. And I've talked with some you know USJ staff on why did they why did they go through these changes? Why did they you know take the time to do this and. You know, talking with the USGA officials, and it's a seven-year process. They started back in 2012. They they were looking at the rules. They weren't happy with the direction that the rules were going. You know, they were getting more and more complicated each you know revision that came out, and they they really wanted to sit down and look and reassess the rules and make it simpler, make it easier to understand for the regular player. You know, the old rules, they were written by a lawyer. It seemed like it was so hard to understand, and, you know, the average player wasn't going to take the time to, to really read and understand the rules. And, uh, you know, the decisions book had 1,200 decisions, which are very specific question and answers uh, about specific rulings. And, you know, a lot of times the, the rulings were in those decisions books. They were kind of the hidden rules of the game of golf that, you know, if you're just reading the rules book, you wouldn't know about this whole other world of the rules. So, you know, the USGA, along with all the other major golf organizations, got together and they wanted to eliminate that, and that's what they did with this major change. Yeah, you know, a lot of the uh, a lot of the controversy we've seen on on the changes are re- really only apply to the elite level player, um, it, like the the caddy standing behind or a coach standing behind and uh, lining up. But there there are quite a few that uh, that, sh- that just apply to the average player. 
and uh, maybe you could could tell us some of those changes and and what what we need to know if you're just playing at your club every weekend. Yeah, so you know the rules were overly complicated, and you know the USGA eliminated a lot of the, the I would call the silly penalties, the I gotcha penalties, and you know the regular player didn't even know if they were penalties, so weren't applying them because they didn't know they were penalties. So, you know, some of the main things that you know the regular players when they're out, you know, playing every weekend, uh, you gotta know the dropping procedure that's been in the media. It seems like the tour players are having all kinds of issues figuring out how to drop a golf ball. You know, I'll say it's not that complicated. You're just dropping it from knee height. Now it doesn't matter if you're standing, if you're sitting. You can be in a golf cart as long as you drop it from knee height. You're good to go. It's it's that simple. And the reason behind that change was what? Uh, so, well, it introduced the concept of a relief area, which is now the ball drops in this relief area and then has to stay in the relief area. So the USGA, they were looking at how do we get the ball to still have the randomness of a drop but a better chance of staying in the relief area. So shoulder height, you have the randomness, but it's more likely to bounce out of the relief area. Uh, they originally looked at dropping it from any height, so it could be you know an inch above the ground. They didn't really like that because it was a little bit silly dropping it so close to the ground. So they decided with a knee being, you know, you still get the randomness of the drop, but there's a better chance it's now going to stay in that relief area. And the the reason for that, in my understanding, to, to get it to stay in the relief area is is speed up the pace of play. Um, so yeah, that's 100% correct. So uh, pace of play has been you know a major, major issue with our game, and you know it comes from the tour. It comes from you know elite level events, college events. They're super slow out there, and so now the rules are encouraging ready golf. They want you to play quicker, and this is one way that the rules allow you to play a little bit quicker since you're not going to be redropping as much with these rules changes. Right. The, the the other one that that's meant to increase the pace of play among actually a lot of the revisions were were aimed that way was leaving leaving the flag stick in. Yeah, that's you know that's more geared towards like the individual player that you know they have a long putt they have to walk all the way up to the hole they got to remove the flag stick walk all the way back. So now you can leave it in at any time. You know the group can decide let's just leave it in let's play quick. That's one of the ways to speed up the game of golf yeah we've uh at at the club i teach at in california in the winter we've actually in daily play um made it basically a local rule that you have to keep the pin in and it's definitely it's it's definitely helped a little bit with the pace so i think that that's that's working how about some of the other the other things that uh that have changed that uh we need to know about yeah, so the, there's a new concept called penalty areas. So the water hazards are no longer in the rules of golf. Uh, it's been changed to penalty areas. And that's a little bit of just a term change, but also golf courses can now mark any area of the golf course as penalty areas. So it could be, you know, wooded areas like up in Brainer. There's, there's tons of woods. And, you know, old rules, it had to have water to be marked as a water hazard. Now, you can mark the trees, you can mark the brush penalty areas. So it helps speed up pace because now you're not necessarily looking for the ball as much because you can just drop it from the penalty area. And it's still the same with the you know, with the water, with the ponds, with the streams, all that stuff is now penalty areas. It's still going to cost you a stroke to get relief. But with the more areas, 
you know, the USGA looked at that, and they thought, you know, it's great that we're marking these areas penalty areas now, but the wooded areas, a lot of times, you might want to play that ball. It may be just, you know, just inside the penalty area and some, you know, light rough or something before the thick stuff in the woods. You may want to play that. Well, in the old rules, there was a lot of things you couldn't do. You couldn't ground your club. You couldn't move any of the leaves or branches or anything like that. Um, you couldn't ground your club. You know, on the practice wind, they looked at that and eliminated all of it. So now, anytime you're ball in the penalty area, you can move the leaves, the branches, all the loose impediments. You can ground your club. You could take practice swings where you hit the ground. All those things you can now do to avoid some of the I gotcha penalties that were in the old rules. Sure. Let me add two, two parts to that question. You know, in, in Brainerd in particular, they, they've all, many courses play the woods as laterals, which is always, as a purist, it, it's always bothered me that they, they play them that way. But, you, you know, the, the, for pace of play issues and other things, that that's the way they've been played. So now, do those areas have to be defined or marked uh, to be considered penalty areas? Or can they just say, hey, the tree line is? Yeah, so new with the rules... Uh, penalty areas can be defined by natural features. So a golf course could say the tree line defines the penalty area. So if you're inside the tree line, you're inside the penalty area. And that's great for courses and superintendents where they don't have to add all those red stakes. They don't have to spray paint all those things that go along with the old water hazards. Now they can just say the tree line is the penalty area. Or, you know, a course that comes to mind is Victory Lynx and Blaine where it's fescue every single hole on both sides of the fairway, they could say the fescue cut line defines the penalty area. They can do that now, and it's completely good in the rules of golf. So, yeah, I'm a bit of a purist too, and and I didn't like when the trees and woods were marked penalty areas because they weren't. No. There was no water there. It left too much room for interpretation where the ball went in. Uh, and I think there's still some of that, but at least now it's there's uh, it's more defined. How about you know bunkers used to be classified as hazards. How are they classified because they're not penalty areas now? Yep. So now they're they're considered bunkers. They're their own term. So because of all the things you can do in penalty areas now, they were split up between penalty areas and bunkers because there's still some restrictions on what you can do in a bunker. Uh, they're relaxed. You can now move the leaves and the branches and stones and stuff in the bunker. That's completely fine now. So if you're playing the golf course in the fall that has a, a whole lot of leaves, you can move all that stuff in the bunker now, even when your ball is there. Um, you still can't ground your club behind the ball. You can't take a practice when hitting the sand. Those restrictions are still there. But it's at least a little bit laxed now. Sure. As a self-described uh, rules geek, uh, Vincent, do um, you think that the players um, that are – there's a little bit of a complaint department right now going on on tour, but don't you think it'll be – it's just a matter of a short period of time before everybody will think, well, this actually is better? Yeah, so it's interesting that there's all these complaints from the tour, but a lot of them aren't really that much involved with the new rules changes. You know, it's some of the stuff that they were getting penalized for is from the old rules. Nothing even changed, and they're complaining about it. But, yeah, it's it's going to take a learning curve. I know, you know, the PGA Tour rules officials and the USGA officials have been on site educating the players. There's plenty of bodies there to help with the rules. 
and it's just something that takes you know a little bit of time. I mean, these guys are playing for millions of dollars, so yeah, they want to make sure they get it right, and they're very cautious, and you know they can critique the rules as much as they want. But the tour players, you know, they have certain players that are on the board that help decide those new rules. Vincent, you know, with out of bounds, there's a, there's a new local rule that uh, um, you can drop. I'll let you describe it, but what what's your feel on if if places are going to use that local rule or if they're going to stick to the stroke and distance penalty? Yeah, so I'll I'll start by describing the rule because it's a yes. little bit complex. But it basically, it's a local rule for when a ball goes out of bounds or is lost. So basically, wherever you think that ball is lost or wherever it went out of bounds, you use that point and then you go to the nearest fairway that's on your hole, you put a mark down or T or something, you measure two club lengths into the fairway, and then you can drop anywhere from there to where the ball went out of bounds or was lost. As long as it's no close to the hole, you can drop as, as far back as you want anywhere in that little area for two penalty strokes. So the thought behind it was a lot of the general play, they're not going back to the T when they lose a ball or hit one out of bounds. They just go up there right. and drop a ball. Right. You know, that's what the majority of just regular play was doing. So they brought in this local rule as an option to get people to try to play by the rules a little bit more. So it's a, it's a two-penalty stroke, so basically the thought behind it is you hit one out of bounds, stroke and distance, you'd be hitting three from the tee, four to the fairway, or you could drop it in the fairway and you're laying four. That's kind of the, the thought behind it. Um, I see. I don't see a, a whole lot of clubs using this local rule, and it wasn't designed for any competitive events. So sure. it's not designed for your club championships, uh, for any my events that I'm running. I'm not doing it. Even for our junior events, we're not using that local rule. It's really designed for just the general play that's going out on a Saturday afternoon. That they're not really playing for anything. It's not competitive, but they're playing with their friends. They can decide. Yeah, let's use this local rule. I don't want to have to go back to the tee to hit another one. Yeah, it's 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 pretty liberal for tournament play to do it that way. Does that only apply off the tee, Vincent, or is that if you know, let's say you're in the in the fairway and you hit a ball over a green and it goes out of bounds? It, is does that local rule apply to that as well, or can do you have to use a stroke and distance penalty there? No. So that that local rule can be used uh, anywhere on the golf course. So yeah, if you're sitting in the fairway and then you pump one out of bounds, you can use that local rule there. Or you know, you hit it in the woods by the green, can't find it, you can use it there. You know, it's anywhere on the golf course. So sure. You lose it or hit it out of bounds. All right. I, any any other uh, rules that we need to be uh, be aware of? Yeah, I think uh, a good one is is on the putting green. Um, so you can do a lot more stuff on the putting green now. Uh, you can fix the spike marks. You can fix the damage from, you know, animal tracks. You know, up, up in the woods, there's a lot of animals and critters that run across the green. You can fix all that damage and spike marks and all that stuff, which is new. I mean, before you couldn't fix the spike marks. And, you know, you think about that and how is that going to affect pace of play? Now we get to fix all the little blemishes on the putting green. But the thought is, the first group has the perfect putting green. The next group is going to come in. They're going to fix the spike marks of the group in front of them. The next group is going to come fix the spike marks of the group in front of them and so on and so on. 
So at the end of the day, you're not really fixing that much damage compared to, you know, the second group of the day. Sure. Yeah, that, the, there's some equity in that, that rule. I like that. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And I guess the, the one other one is uh, searching for the ball. You only get three minutes now. Uh, old rules, you got five minutes. Now you only have three so we're shaving two minutes when you're searching for the golf ball, and I always say, if you can't find it after three minutes, you're probably not going to find it after five minutes. <laughs> yeah, that's an important one in Max Group. It is. <laughs> <laughs> that's definitely yeah. going to speed up play. <laughs> yeah, and now since we're only giving you three minutes, you, you can do a little bit more now. So before the players had to be cautious because if they kick their ball as they're searching for it, they get penalized for it. Well, now. We eliminated that. So when you're searching for the ball and you're brushing your foot across the high grass and you accidentally kick your ball, you're not going to get penalized. You're just going to put it back. So now you can actively search a little bit quicker with a little bit less care because you're not going to get penalized for moving your ball. See, we'll use the cumulative rule there, Vincent. With three of us in the woods, we'll take nine minutes to look for all three balls. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Well, Vincent, I, I I really appreciate you coming on and, and uh, sharing your knowledge on the rules, and uh, uh, maybe we'll have you back on later in the season to talk about some of these other things. And uh, uh, there always seems to be some major rules con- or some rules controversy around the majors, so we might have to get in and clarify some of those as well, we go along. Yeah, definitely. After the U.S. Open, there seems to always be something. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah. Vincent, the one golf rule you'll never forget now is probably the one you missed. What was it? Uh, oh, man, you got to bring that up. Uh, <laughs> 99 out of 100, pretty good. So it was it was a dumb error. I misread the question. Um, <laughs> you know, a player hits it towards the penalty area, didn't know if it went in there, drops the ball, and then finds his original ball within three minutes outside the penalty area. What's the ruling? And basically I thought, the rule said he dropped it and played it, so that's a different ruling than not playing it because then you go just go to your original ball. So, misread the question. I'm going to remember in that one for a long. <laughs> well, we'll we'll let it slide. Yeah, time. we will. Awesome. Well, again, thanks for having me, and you know, love to talk about the rules. So, anytime you want me, I'm more than willing to chat. Thanks, thanks Vincent. You're listening yeah. to Lakes Woods and Irons on 1380 KLIZ. You're listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley and Colin McDonald at 1380 KLIZ, The Fan. Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley. Colin McDonald with you, 1380 KLIZ, The Fan. Available now at Podcast One as well and streaming at lakeswoodsandirons.com. Thanks to our sponsor, Mills GM. Uh, thank our guests, uh, Vincent Backteller with the rules segment with the Minnesota section of the PGA. Good time of year to get a few rules uh, checked up on, Chris, because it's, it's all new. and uh, Yeah, with the new rules, it yeah. never hurt. It, well, regardless, it doesn't hurt to brush up on them, uh, which you should every year. But uh, with all the, the changes to the rules, it's a good idea to familiarize yourself. And when you get your team together on men's league night, either one of your guys or one of their guys knows all the new rules. <laughs> there you go. So you better uh, you better be caught up. 
Also, the happiest golfer, Brian uh, Skavnik, just some great advice for young golfers and for life, uh, really, in general. So that yeah, was anybody. A, yeah, that was a real treat. So uh, Beth Page Black this week, the PGA, as this uh, Saturday morning show airs, it will be uh, will be uh, halfway through the tournament. But uh, you were just saying you had a stat, uh, 18 of the last 19 major winners were in the top 25, so it doesn't happen very often where an outsider sneaks in and shoots a great round and wins. Yeah, you know, we've talked about it a Four lot. Four rounds, I should say. Right. You know, we've talked about it a lot, but, uh, you know, the major the majors are so hard to win because there's only four of them a year, and everybody tries to peak for the majors, and generally they're on the hardest tests. And um, so it's... It, it's uh, it's interesting to see that, and doesn't doesn't surprise me any that uh, that in the last nineteen majors, eighteen of the players were in the top twenty five. Have you got? Uh, well, you probably have favorites you'd like to win, like I always do too. Do you have uh, some people you think are going to be right? I think it's uh, like we said, kind of in the first segment. I don't know how you would leave Rory out of say your top five, or Kepka, or maybe even Tiger. Um, I mean, Tiger said uh, we're tied at one now about Kepka because Kepka beat him in the PGA. So he he's so competitive. He loves that. If yeah. he could get in a real uh, head-to-head battle with somebody, I think he'd savor it. You know, bo- both those guys are motivated by outside influences. You know, and and Kepka, Kepka has that chip on his shoulder, and he's he's got rabbit ears. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> you know, good good for him. He he, he utilizes that to his advantage. Yeah, you bet. And uh, you know, Tiger is, is he's. Boy, the, the way he's looked early in the week and his attitude and uh, the way he played at Augusta, it's 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 hard not to bet on him. But the, you know, there's some great storylines with um, you know uh, Kepka going after his his fourth major and in, in the last uh, six majors. That would be incredible. Yeah, um, Jordan Spieth, he's outside that top twenty or top. Nineteen twenty, but uh, going after his, going after the Grand Slam, he, the only major he hasn't won. Right, is PGA, uh, and you know, get you got uh, Phil, who's a New York favorite. Who and, you know, if he plays well, it'll be incredible. McRoy, uh, who hasn't won a major in a while, you know, at the top of his game, really. So uh, there's there's just a lot of it. It could be a great drama filled week. It's a funny thing now when Tiger wins, if he wins another major. Uh, it'll be, uh, you know, we got about uh, maybe the last six or seven years when he wasn't injured and not playing as well. No chance he ever gets to Jack's 18. You know, then he wins his 15th, and people go, well, maybe he will. Well, if he wins his 16th, then everybody will go, for sure he's going to win 18. It'll be 100% that's the other right. way because that's, uh, that's kind of how it goes. But uh, I thought it's interesting, this group of uh, great golfers that we have, maybe the best, uh, the best, I don't know, top 25 golfers there's ever been in the world because the, 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 there's great players from all over the all over the world. I got asked about the big three not too long ago, because uh, I grew up in that era. That's when I fell in love with golf. And so I would say, well, there's always been great players. There's been a lot of great players in golf. But the big three at the time were Gary Player, uh, Jack Nicklaus, and Arnold Palmer. Palmer was the big one, I guess. And right. Then, and then Player came along as a young guy and won a major. And then Jack was even a little bit younger, and he started to win. But uh, the reason they were called the Big Three, in 1958, Arnie won the Masters. In 1959, Gary won the British Open. In 1960, Arnie won two tournaments, the uh, U.S. Open and the Masters. 
Gary Player won, uh, let's see, the Masters in 61, and Palmer won the uh, British. The next year, here's why they're called the Big Three, because in 1962, Palmer won the Masters, Nicholas won the U.S. Open, Palmer won the British, and Player won the PGA. So the Big Three won all four majors. Then they, Nicholas wins two more in 63, Palmer wins again in 64, 65, Nicholas and Player both win. 66, Nicholas wins twice. 67, Nicholas wins again. And 68, Player wins. So over 11 years, the big three were never, didn't, uh, never didn't win a major in that season. So that's why they're called the big yeah, three. Going back to what we said earlier about hard, how hard it is to win majors, and for the players that played in the Tiger era, as many majors as he won in a short period. Yeah. Well, when you look at that, there weren't many majors left to win after you take those three. Right. Put those three in the equation. You take so. a few guys off the board there. We've yeah. talked about it before. So Jack has 18, uh, Palmer has seven, uh, Player has nine. So that's 34. So if you just say you play 15 years, there's only, there's <laughs> only, uh, what, 15? There's only 60, and they won 35 exactly. of them, basically. So. There's, Pretty impressive. There's a few less to choose from. Yes. And there's all a lot of good golfers out there. That's right. <laughs> we had an interesting thing happen at the high school level, Chris. The boys, uh, we had Brian Wallace on the show earlier this year, and uh, it was kind of very honest about the boys. A couple of them kind of bumping along this year, but he, th- he thought, looks like maybe they'll be ready to peak for sections. And, uh, and they kind of did here this last, uh, Gavin Metschut, 69. He's the, the senior leader that they've been hoping would come around. They get Stocksy at 76, Evans at 77, Olsen at 77, who's just been very consistent, young Evan Quinn, 78, and Cole Proctor at 79. Six guys under 80. It's a great high school round score. You know, yeah. and, uh, you don't, you don't see, it, one, you don't see that very often, period. Uh, but our Brainerd teams don't do that very often. And so the, these boys are really starting to peak. And they lost Alexandria by 14. <laughs> That's, uh, that is some kind of team right now. Yeah, Alexandria is very strong. Yeah. They have an eighth grader on their team who's, you know, in his age group is the top, in the top ten in the country, which is uh, very impressive. Most weeks the 299 would have been right there with Alex, but they just tore it up that day. So, And on the girls' side of things, we should mention that uh, uh, the girls have really been moving up as well. As a team, they finished second a couple of times of late. And they kind of been in the mix. The top teams, Alexandria again, and they've kind of dominated that category. But uh, Anna Krieger shoots an 81 uh, this last week. And uh, the week before, I know uh, your daughter, Katie Foley, shot an 84. And so the Warrior girls are starting to see those kind of numbers on a fairly regular basis. Yeah, they're they're definitely trending in the in the right direction, and it's neat to see that uh, both the boys and girls teams are, are really working hard at their games. And um, you know, after they play, they're out practicing. They're 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 coming out on the weekends and practicing, and uh, uh, we've got a nice commitment level, and uh, it's starting to show off. Speaking of working hard at their games, we'll let you leave the studio, Chris, and go teach some of these young people a little golf here, all right? Sounds great, Matt. <laughs> One last thing before we go. We wanted to mention Tito's Handmade Vodka, the sponsor of our 19th hole every week here on Lakes, Woods, and Irons. And, Chris, you're going to take what uh, is a very special uh, trip this uh, weekend. You're going to go play Pine Valley, which is one of the... Uh, uh, well, one of the places everybody in the world wants to play, right. and not everybody gets to play. <laughs> so it's a pretty special deal. Yeah, it, it's going to be a fun uh, fun couple days in New Jersey, and uh, I've been fortunate to play there one other time. And it's just it's one of the most fantastic 
layouts in the world. It, you know, it was built in the 1940s, and uh, a number of kind of the golden age architects had their hands in it, and uh, it, it's really a special place. Have you kind of mapped out your strategy since you played there once now? <laughs> you know, I hate, take it apart this I, week. I, I hate to say it, but last night I was on Google Earth looking at the holes and <laughs> and uh, thinking about what I was going to hit off the tees and sure and, uh, uh, how I was going to play differently than the last time I was playing. <laughs> Hopefully, I'll play better this time. And you were mentioning with Nineteenth Hole, uh, Tito's is our sponsor, of course. Tito's handmade vodka. Uh, is it what? What's uh, Pine Valley? Where do you guys like to go? Well, they they have a great halfway house. You actually pass it on on the eighth hole, which is my favorite hole in the golf course. It has a double, kind of a double green. It's a great short par four. It's three hundred and twenty four yards with with two different greens. Uh, but their their halfway house there, you pass it there, and then you pass it on the eleventh hole as well. And uh, it's a it looks like an old windmill kind of oh, really? type building in, okay. inside. But the but Pine Valley is fam- famous for their transfusions, <laughs> which is a, is a great drink. It's uh, Tito's handmade vodka and uh, grape juice and uh, ginger ale. There you go. Very refreshing. All of our listeners wish they were Chris Foley this weekend. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Thanks, Chris. I, thank you. <laughs> You've been listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons on 1380 KLIZ. Thanks for listening to today's edition of Lakes, Woods, and Irons at 1380 KLIZ, The Fan. Today's broadcast is sponsored by Craigan's Legacy Courses, Tito's Handmade Vodka, Rutgers Bay Lake Lodge, The Tea Hive, The Holiday Station on Mill Avenue, and Maury's Market. Streaming at lakeswoodsandirons.com, sponsored by Mills GM. We now return to our regularly scheduled program, At the Lake Sports Talk, 1380 KLIZ, The Fan.